0: you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company then you're in the right place welcome to the retail transformation show with me oliver banks well hello and welcome to the retail transformation show i am your host oliver banks and this one is episode 59. Now, in the retail industry, we often talk a lot about the importance of giving your customers a great experience and even giving them a reason to return to your shop. So part of this relies on having a purpose and being relevant and being on brand, all of which we've spoken about on previous episodes of the show. But, you know, I don't think Experiences are necessarily formed in the moment. I think perhaps they could be formed in the moments following the experience and even the moments before as well. And what if that experience doesn't even exist in the current moment? What if it only exists as a memory of the past? And what if that reason to come shopping? in your store is a positive memory of your brand combined with a lusting, a craving for a new positive memory. You see today, I want to give you a slightly different perspective on how to form a great customer experience and give you some thoughts as to how you can set up a series of intentional, methodical, operational, decisions and actions to take to create memories and to really forge this positive customer experience. Before we get completely into this one, show notes from today are going to be over at obandco.uk slash 59. So if you want to check out anything that we're going to talk about today, then do head over there, obandco.uk slash 59. But what I'd like you to do right now is to just cast your mind back to when you were a child. Remember a time when you had a great shopping experience. Okay, have you got something in mind? Where were you? What location were you? What shop were you in? Who were you with? What were you shopping for? You know, what particular elements or details do you remember about that? How did you feel? So just think about that memory for just a moment. You know, maybe you were in your favourite toy shop. Perhaps you were shopping with a beloved family member. And I do want to ask you, would that shopping experience seem out of place today? My guess is it would not. Perhaps the technology will have moved on a little bit more today, but my guess is it was formed from a human connection or a physical connection rather than the technology that was being used at the time, right? But what I'd like you to do is just think about that moment and how does it feel looking back? Probably feels pretty good, right? It's a a happy memory. And in fact, there were probably several things that made you remember that particular moment. You know, there were probably several different elements coming together that forged this memory in your brain. You know, this experience was so strong that you can recall it now, years later, and it's pretty detailed, right? You know, this is such a powerful moment for your brain to have conjured up this strong memory. Now, imagine that you can forge these sort of strong memories in your customers so that they will remember this experience in years to come. Wouldn't that be an incredible achievement? Wouldn't that be brilliant for your brand to be able to create this strong relationship supported by a real collection of positive memories? But to do this, I want to just take a slightly different perspective. You know, what are memories? How are they made? How are they recalled? So a quick word of warning here, I'm not a brain scientist, I'm not a psychologist, but I have dived in and researched this. So this is my understanding, and if you are a brain scientist, and I'm not not quite right, then feel free to call me out. I would love to find out more. So here is a little bit of my understanding of how memories are formed. Now, memories, they're obviously stored in our brain, right? And actually, there's physical evidence Of memories in our brain, which I found really quite interesting. I always thought it was just electrical signals, right? But there are different groups of neurons or nerve cells, and these are what are responsible for our thoughts or perceptions. And these neurons drift in and out of action, you know, they turn on and off. So memories occur when specific groups of neurons are reactivated in a particular order. So in the brain, As something happens, a situation happens, an event happens, a particular pattern of neuron activity or nerve cell activity happens. You know, they're coming out and they're being activated in this particular order and in a particular pattern. And that is a memory, essentially. A series of neurons or nerve cells being activated in a particular order or sequence. You know, think about it a bit like playing music, right? where all of the different notes are played. You know, there are only so many notes, but they can be played in a huge number of different sequences and patterns and orders, and timings even, that create completely different tunes. Now, just imagine the complexity if I told you that an average brain has about 86 Billion neurons, right? 86 billion. And these can all be activated in different order to create different memories. So you can see how complicated this gets, right? So if you are remembering something, whether it's your pet, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your house, whether it's, you know, your last birthday, these are all different memories and the different neurons are firing off in different orders to bring you that memory. Now, there are two broad types of memory, a short-term memory and a long-term memory. A short-term memory is actually really very short. It's about up to 30 seconds long. So sort of, you know, a few seconds It's literally what's just happened. Whereas a long-term memory is anything over 30 seconds, basically. So, you know, what happened earlier on in the day? What happened yesterday? What happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever? And this was quite interesting to me. So have you ever traveled somewhere and you've got to your destination? Perhaps you've gone from work back to home and you've got in the front door and you've completely forgotten your journey. Has has that happened to you? You sort of think, oh, well, I must have been, I switched on the subconscious and driven or sat on the train or whatever, and my subconscious has controlled it. Well, that's not quite true. Actually, what's happened is you've been focused on that journey, but it's all been committed to the short-term memory. So you've forgotten it after a few seconds. You know, that is uneventful, it's standard, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But that short-term memory has just vanished because the brain did not think it was worthy of storing as a longer-term memory. You know, think about all of the different things that you experience every single day. If we stored everything right, it would just be overload. So when we're thinking about creating a memory about an experience, we want to be zoning into that long-term memory, okay? Now, as we're looking at long-term memory, again, this can divide down into two broad groups, explicit and implicit. Now, an implicit memory is like a habit or a skill, something that we can do really without thinking about it. Maybe it's making a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Perhaps it's driving a car. Maybe it's opening up a new Word document or Excel document, whatever. On the other hand, an explicit memory is something that we're consciously wanting to remember. And of these explicit memories, there are two kinds. There's an episodic and a semantic. Now, an episodic memory is for an event, a situation that happened to you. Whereas a semantic memory is more for general knowledge. You know, knowing where the nearest supermarket to your home is, is a semantic memory. But if you remember when you slipped over and you twisted your ankle in that particular supermarket, well, that's more of an episodic memory. And that's what we're wanting to try and create, although probably not with the slipping over and not with the twisting your ankle, right? We want to create something positive, but it's that that type of memory that we're trying to create here. So how do we create an episodic and explicit memory as part of our long-term memory? Well, first and foremost, we need to act quickly. Our brains need to act quickly to avoid this particular situation falling into the short-term memory and just evaporating and being deleted. So all of the information that comes into our body through our eyes, through our ears, everything that's coming in, is being fed into a part of the brain called the hippocampus. Now, the hippocampus is where the neurons are created. It's where the relevant patterns are programmed that ultimately end up forging a memory. Now, the hippocampus has a really challenging job, really, when you think about it. It's got to take in all of that information. It's got to review and prioritise it, all in real time, of course. And it's got to be able to decide whether any given bit of information should be committed to memory or just forgotten. It's processing huge, huge amounts of information. So one of the key ways that the hippocampus prioritizes this information is basically by asking the question, is this important or not? It has to look at the context to decide if it's important. Think about when a world event happens. You know, maybe it's like 9-11 or some other huge, tragic event, or maybe it's a big political event, or maybe it's a celebration, your country winning the World Cup, or perhaps, you know, some other sporting event, right? Your hippocampus will be looking at this, and the context says this is a big, important moment. You're probably feeling excited about it, or nervous, some other emotion. We'll come back to that in just a second. But what happens is the hippocampus remembers all of this and it stores it down so that when you cast your mind back to this particular event even if it's years later you can remember some very specific very detailed parts of that day the same is true if you're you know witnessing something that's really important you know maybe it's a wedding maybe it's the birth of your child maybe it's some really tragic thing that's happening as well you can remember these very minute details because Your hippocampus is taking in the information at that moment and saying, whoa, this is big. This is important. I've got to remember as much as I can about this particular moment. So one of the other elements that the hippocampus is using to help prioritize is that emotion, which I just touched on a second ago. You know, we do remember events and times where we feel increased emotions, whether it's anger, or fear, or joy, or love, all of those say to the hippocampus, please remember this moment. Even senses can help to make a moment more memorable. If we've got a collection of sight, and sound, and taste, and smell, and feel, then we're going to have a really rich memory to fall back on. Now, there are several additional elements. Well, there's a lot of additional elements, actually of memory and brains and how memories are created and forged and formed and recalled that we could go into. But one of the things I did read about was that memories can get distorted or confused and even false memories can be created through persuasion or through contradictory information coming into the brain. There was some research carried out where people, test subjects, watched a video of a bad event, it was a car accident. Then they were asked questions afterwards and the way these questions were phrased and if they suggested an alternative truth could actually adjust the memory that was created. Isn't that amazing? So what happens around that particular event can adjust what we remember about it. So that's what's going on in the hippocampus. It's trying to prioritize what's going on and decide whether it should store the information. As long-term memories are created, it's easy for things to be forgotten. If things aren't recalled regularly, then they're not remembered. The memory will fade and eventually it will disappear. So the aim here is to create a firm and lasting memory of a good experience and then let the bad experiences fade to nothing as quickly as possible, right? So I want to come back to bad experiences in just a moment. So let me lodge a little thought in there. But right now, let's just focus on good experiences, good memories. How can we use this insight and this science behind how memories are working to create a lasting and good experience? So I've got 10 points, 10 questions, which can help you to create a plan that can help you And your business takes some intentional, methodical, operational decisions and actions to make a good experience memorable. So firstly, how can you position this experience as a major moment for your customer? If they're a new customer, could you celebrate them in some way, cementing that this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship that they should remember? Equally, if there are a returning customer, an existing customer, how could you welcome them back like they're an old friend? And in fact, how are you going to remember customers? And how could you use a system like a CRM, a customer relationship management tool, to really support this? Secondly, how can you appeal to their senses to create this really rich scenario that will forge a strong memory? How can you use emotion throughout the whole shopping process? How can you make a customer feel safe but excited as they shop? How can you give a customer a real genuine sense of pride about their purchase or, or their prospective purchase that they're thinking about? How could you be more effective at saying goodbye to a customer after they have left the till or the checkout? You know, th- think about How you can convert that short-term memory into a longer-term memory before it's disappeared after sort of 30 seconds. How can you then remind them afterwards what was great about their shopping trip? You know, think about those sort of Instagrammable elements from a shopping trip that form a stronger memory because they have evidence of what there was and it gets people talking, right? Can you give them a memento to prompt their memory? whether it's that Instagrammable photo, or whether it's some form of surprise. Just whilst we're on this, think about going out for like a Chinese meal. And at the end, you get the little fortune cookies and you crack them open and you've got that tiny little slip of paper, right, with your fortune. Do you remember those sort of times? Or how about that moment when you're about to pull a Christmas cracker? How does that feel? You know, that anticipation of the surprise could be something that you could leverage to help forge that strong memory? How can you remind customers of their good experiences a long time after the event? And how can you be consistently great, but still add an element of wow when customers return each time? So it doesn't become samey, samey every single time. There is still that X factor. And finally, how are you going to take all of these points and include them in an operating model so that you can repeat it again and again across your entire store estate and across your entire team of colleagues. So I appreciate I've just thrown all of those points at you in fairly rapid fire action format. So if you do want to get a little refresher of those, make sure you head over to the show notes page over at obandco.uk 59 to pick up all of those points so you can think about them in a lot more detail. And whilst you're over there, if you are enjoying this episode, then do remember to sign up for my Retail Transformation Briefings. These are weekly emails that come out with the latest Retail Transformation news They've got deep industry insight and special reports that you can access all for free. And I give you my perspective on what the latest trends are and what that means for you and your business. You can sign up for these retail transformation briefings absolutely free over on the show notes page or find out more at obandco.uk slash briefing. So I just want to rewind to where we were a couple of minutes ago we mentioned bad experiences. So once again, I want you to go back into your brain, into your memory, fire up those neurons, right? Get those patterns going. And I want you to think of a time where you've had a bad experience. Could be any time, could be recently, could be a long time ago, whatever. You know, I remember a very particular dinner that I had when I was at university, which is a number of years ago now. And I had really bad service and it made me really angry. And, I, you know, I still remember that, you know, a number of years later. I still remember the feeling. I remember the setting. I remember who was there on the table. I'm sure you can think of something similarly bad where, you know, maybe even years later, you recall some really precise details about a bad experience that you've had. And actually, again, in some of the research that I was doing, it seems that the stronger the emotion that you feel, and is associated, therefore, with the memory, the more detail you commit to that particular memory, and the easier it is to recall. That's why those really bad experiences stick so clearly in your mind, and equally the good ones as well, you know, thinking about, you know, a wedding or the birth of your child or something like that. You know, and I think when we're recalling bad experiences as well, it also makes me reflect to last episode, episode 58, where I was talking to Steph Tranter about how to overcome stress. Now do you remember? She was talking about how our caveman brain works, and she was using the example of remembering which path there was a snake on. And the key point was that as humans, we're programmed to remember the bad to help keep us safe in the future. So if we come back to modern day world and in the retail setting, our primary goal is, of course not to give a poor or bad experience in the first place. But if we snap back into the real world, we accept that at some point in time, at least someone will have a poor experience. So our mission then should be not to let the bad memory form and to really help the customer to forget that moment very quickly so it doesn't form a lasting impression. So to help us achieve this, we should look to quench the bad emotions and feelings as quickly as possible, so they're less likely to form a memory. This is best done by de-stressing and diffusing the situation. And of course, apologizing is often the fastest way of doing this. And if a genuine apology can be made quickly, then it could even help to move the memory into a a short-term memory situation. Essentially, you're encouraging the customer's hippocampus to downgrade this moment, and deprioritize this experience so it does not form a lasting memory. However, if you do the opposite, if you set up defenses, if you make the customer angry, if you are unhelpful, then soon you're going to be really making the customer's hippocampus form that lasting bad experience memory. Not good news for you, I'm afraid. Now, once that memory has formed, you know, we can't Make people forget something. But what we can still do is make them less likely to remember. So, if we're thinking about in the moment, you could look at actually changing the location to discuss the issue in more detail. What this does is it actually distracts the brain and it makes the memory more complicated, so it's more difficult for the hippocampus to be able to forge the lasting long term memory you can also look at changing the topic to a more positive note, particularly at the end of the conversation. Even then, it could be worth giving the customer some space and even following up afterwards to focus on a more positive point of view that will continue to erode the bad memory and replace it with a good memory. Now, of course, these actions are not always possible in a retail environment, particularly if a customer is highly distressed but having a plan and approach is better than nothing. So again, think about how you can define what would be the best strategy here and how you can operationalize it to be able to consistently create positive memories of the experience that was given. And of course, you know perhaps it goes without saying, but if you consistently deliver a bad experience, it's gonna significantly increase the likelihood that bad memory being formed right so if you do that bad experience again and again and again hey (laughs) science can't help you (laughs) i'm afraid (laughs) so i'm aware we're coming to the end of the episode and i do have one more thought that i want to leave you with which i'm going to come back to in just a second but i just wanted to prompt you if you're new to the podcast then please do subscribe to the retail transformation show so you can catch up with new episodes which are released every single week. And if you're an existing listener, then thank you once again for tuning in. Please do consider leaving a rating and a review to help other people discover the podcast. And of course, a quick memory jogger for my weekly retail transformation briefings to help you stay on top of the latest changes and transformation news and trends in the retail market. You know, you will be able to understand the trends as they happen, Rather than seeing them as a memory or a reflection after the event, right? You can sign up for the retail transformation briefings over at obandco.uk/slash 59, where you'll also find all of the show notes from this episode. That's obandco.uk/slash 59. So, as we begin to wrap up, today we've of course been talking about experiences and more specifically, how these experiences create memories. We've looked at the science behind how memories are formed, thinking about how neurons are firing, a bit like a a musical tune, right? Several different notes played in a different pattern creates a whole host of different songs. We've looked at how you can create some positive memories from a good experience and how you can make some operational decisions to cement that in place so it happens time and time again. And equally, we've looked at how you can make some operational decisions to make it less likely that the bad experience, when it does happen, we want to make it less likely that it's remembered, right? So as I mentioned, I wanted to leave you with a parting thought. You know, we've looked at how customer experience can form a memory in your customer's heads. But what if you thought about and made a series of intentional Methodical operational decisions and actions about giving great experiences and forming strong memories, not just for your customers, but also for your store colleagues, for your team members, for your business, for your suppliers, for your shareholders. What would that look like? And how would leaving a positive memory in their heads create a better company culture and a better future? for your retail business. I'm going to leave you to think on that one and I'll look forward to joining you on another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very soon. Bye for now.